Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. All 60 of them with my good friend. I just, uh, the top five people I've ever met in my life is the man that I'm interviewing today. And uh, he's a special guy to so many of us. And also, I got the thrill of uh, growing up watching him pound a baseball from both sides of the plate. Everybody, the fantastic, legendary Reggie Smith. Reggie, good morning. Good afternoon. Morning, Steve. What t- it's good morning for you, though, right? It's still morning no, time? No, well, I have, a, I have a friend that always greets me a good morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I, I do want to tell everybody how we met. Reggie and I would go to the Virgin Islands uh, once a year, and I probably didn't say a lot to you. You didn't say a lot to me for a few years. As we kept going to this one event, we realized we better start talking to each other. And, right. <laughs> and we started seeing each other other events. And, and, I, and I wanted to bring up Michael Brooks because there are people in our lives that we've met uh, along the way that are like the glue. They're the centerpiece. They bring bonds together and friendships together. And Michael Brooks was this this incredible man that we lost a year ago that would bring us together, and we'd raise money for the Beacon School for Children. I was after-school programs, which kept kids off the streets from, you know, when their parents were still working late in the afternoon, and they were mentored by their teachers rather than taught during the day. And so we were really moved by this. It was just an incredible time and also a wonderful charity. And we lost Michael this year, but no matter where we go, there's so many of us that have become great fa- just great friends, and, uh, and Michael's the reason. Michael did bring us together, and, 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 and we got to have fun by playing something that we enjoyed doing, too. Uh, aside from that, we was playing a little golf. Well, in golf, I, we, I talk about it a lot on our shows, and, and I'm going to drive people crazy with it, but it is the one sport that we're allowed to spend all this time together. You know, there's all this casual time. That's It's it's great that we were able to, to create that bond, and, and since then, you've been a blessing. We Reggie, and let me tell you, we're with Reggie Smith right now, and Reggie will come down every year to our charity event, the Delta Soul, and he's been putting on a baseball clinic uh, that uh, is like no other. So, so I can explain to you when when I went to Los Angeles, California, and I pulled up, and there's this fill saying the Reggie. It says your name on it, right? Well, how, how is it? It says Reggie. <laughs> is it the Reggie Smith Field? Is that right? What does it say? Well, it's it's the it's the uh the Encino Little League field, and I have the batting cages here, and uh, it's they dedicated 
you know, the building the cages to me, and it was, it was quite an honor and a, and a blessing. Well, you know, for me, uh, and and I'm, I'm I'm proud of it. That people, kids have come out of here and gotten into college and, and right. playing pro baseball and. Uh, I, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. So we get so the kids in the Delta <clears throat> get to get that. They get to get this expertise. Um, uh, seven time All Star, right, Reggie? You were seven times All Star. Uh, That's correct. Yes. And and you want a Golden Glove? Uh, you want a couple? You want one Golden Glove? I know. Well, I, I, mean, I won one. Uh, the at the time in the positions that I was playing, they always had someone there that did a little better than I did, and uh, I, I was thankful for that one opportunity. No, no. <laughs> well, that's all right, because I know. So so back, we're talking to Reggie Smith, uh, spent a lot, most of your career in, uh, career in Boston, am I right? Well, the, the early part of my career, I, I spent 10 years in Boston, and yeah. the, the last 12, uh, my career was in the National League, and, and, and I played, also I played two years in Japan, and I, I'm in my 40s at the time unbelievable to go over there 40s but, uh, yeah i was fortunate uh to have had some serious injuries but we're able able to keep going and and you know that 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 was a blessing well i've seen you recover from major surgery and 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 shoot under par the first time out i've seen that so i already well, know that you're 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 like nobody else you're superman and uh and i just love it okay so first of all i want to go back in time because you know obviously i've gotten i got to watch the reggie smith on tv and and watch you do your your thing but as i've gotten to know you i've really never asked the questions and talked to you about take me to the beginning I, I want to know what it was like in the 60s, because what was your first year in the major leagues? My first full season in the major leagues was 1967, but I, I first came up to stay in 1966. But I had a major league contract from the time I was 18 years old and would go to spring training with the major league ball club. And just before they were getting ready to break, they, they, would, they would send me down to the uh, minor leagues. I was fortunate. I didn't spend a whole lot of time in 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 the minor leagues uh, because they would recall my contract, you know, at every September. Well, that's but because I, I, you I were a machine. Yeah, but you, well, well, you say you're lucky, but you, you know that it's a it's a tough sport, and you got to bring it. I mean, so you, the, those are the blessings. But you worked hard, and you come into the league like let's let's you know because coming from where I'm from, it's a very ethnic diverse group, right? And I always ask this question because there were even places that when I'd go play <clears throat> that wouldn't let me play if I had an African-American bass player. I'm serious. It was the late 80s. So we're talking the 60s. What was it like? Was it any time and in, in, was segregation or anything was an issue even with baseball or was it, you know, was everything cool? Well, my my first year that I went, first went away actually when I got to play was in 1963 and they sent me to uh, Whitfield, Virginia. And having grown up in California and in Los Angeles here, uh, it didn't have those problems of, of segregation. Right. And uh, a lot of the things that I experienced my first year in a little town that had probably about 2,200 people total, if, if that had two stoplights in the whole town. And that was my first uh, experience with uh, segregation and bigotry, and, and it was a little bit tough for me at the time because 
we couldn't stay in hotels. We couldn't eat in restaurants. And oftentimes on bus trips, they would have to bring food out to us because, you know, uh, we couldn't couldn't eat in the restaurants. And they would put stuff in our food. So what guys would do, they would order enough food for themselves and then bring it out to us so that we could eat on the bus. But, you know, it, it, it was tough. And if anything, what it, what it made me realize that I had to, what was inside of me to, to come out, you know, rather than just being bitter, how could I channel right. that to get to where I wanted to go, to where I could get to the major leagues? But yes, right. I, I did experience it, and, and it was only that one time because I only spent a total of uh, two months yeah. in that, and then uh, I, I wound up, I was in uh, Pennsylvania in double-A ball that in 1964, where it was it was north and it didn't didn't have that problem. So I, I spent very little time comparatively to a lot of my teammates. One whom was from Greenville, there that uh, George Scott. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I played baseball who, with his with his son. Actually, grew up yeah. playing. Well, Scotty, you know, being from Greenville, the things that that would happen there. He he went through playing the South from. Uh, being in Ocala, Florida, to uh, to uh, playing in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and Greenville, and, and places there, to coming through the minor leagues, as he did, I was I was fortunate because I was I was on a major league contract, and uh, they I was on a fast track. They were they were moving me as quickly as they possibly could. So, so yeah, well, uh, I didn't I didn't experience it as much as he did. Yeah, his son was a, a first baseman, like his dad. His dad was first base, right? Yes. And then yes. I was a catcher growing up. So, uh, but we won't get. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start talking about my catching days with you. But I did love. I did love the game. <clears throat> Actually, the best team I played on. We, we won some really. We won a couple championships. You know, in our league. But we finally had a couple girls on our team. Back then, girls. You know, they didn't have a lot wow. to do back then. And there was a pitcher and a shortstop. And I think I was in love with both of them because it was so cool to see <laughs> girls compete like that, you know. And they were and they were our MVPs. I mean, they were great. <laughs> and so I just wow. remember looking at the mound and just going like, I can't function. And I think uh, at one point, I remember uh, Walter Payton's brother was the ump, Eddie Payton. And so I got to know him and I'd spit sunflower seeds on the thing. He goes, oh, my gosh, if you spit another sunflower seed on the plate, you know, he'd wipe it up. <laughs> I was like, you know, I said, I'm, 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 I'm dizzy right now because... That it just looks so incredible, you know. And they were, anyway. Uh, this is Steve Azar. We're with the legendary Reggie Smith. You're in a Mississippi minute. All sixty of them. We'll be right back. And the road isn't there anymore. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Azar on Facebook.com Steve Azar Live and listen to all my music. Steve Azar and Steve Azar and the King's Men wherever you download or stream. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I get the ball with the game on the line. I know what I want and I don't change my mind. This is Steve Azar. You are listening to In a Mississippi Minute with Reggie Smith, a legendary baseball Machine and a good friend of mine. Uh, he played uh, 
the major leagues for a lot of years. And and Reggie, when I moved back to Mississippi, uh, the one thing that I started to do the artisan resident thing at, at the Delta Music Institute at Delta State. And Delta State was when when I was there back in the late '80s. Boo Ferris was there, and a lot of my roommates and friends played baseball there. And he built a heck of a program. And the great thing about Boo was um, he would all he would remember you once you once you intro- were introduced to him. He wouldn't just remember you; he'd remember something about you. And I don't know if that was a way that he was able just to in his mind be able to do it, but just the fact that he took the time to do it and cared enough to do it. I love that. And and you you played ball with Boo, correct? I Boo had just left when when I came in. And uh, like I said, I got I got to meet him when they would come back okay. for events, and in, in uh, when I was going to run a minor league there. But um, you 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 you're right about that. If he met you once, he would remember you. And, and I think he came out in a wheelchair. They bring him out in a wheelchair once, and I'm trying to mm-hmm. in a, uh, a game that they that, that they had there in Boston when they were recognizing the players of the century. He remembered, and I think he might have been in his 90s then. Yeah, yeah, he just passed away not too long ago. I mean, it was had so many friends, you know, he had made along the way and built a program. In fact, Delta State this year is pre-ranked number one in the country, I think, in Division Two. So the, the, wow. the, the legacy continues, and so it's been cool. I do want to go back a little bit and talk about, you know, I want to talk about the after-baseball life. So you, when you were done playing ball, and you knew you were done, right? And you were talking about being in your 40s. So how old? You were 40 what? I was 41. 41 years old. Okay. So right now we're looking at like, it's like back then it was like George Blanda playing for the Raiders. It's uh, it's uh, obviously looking at, uh, you're dealing with Peyton Manning. You're looking about Favre and, and Brett and everything. And then you're talking about Tom Brady. There's not many people that, that can go that long and and also you had a history of playing a lot of games during the year you were you were tried and true whether you were hurt or not you had to have been feeling some pain but you were one of those iron men that just kept kept going and going and going after you were done what got you to first of all want to stay in the game obviously i know you love it but to coach you started coaching right and then and led you to today about mentoring all of these athletes who probably some of them wouldn't go to college and you get them to go to college some of them wouldn't have made the major leagues i mean you've been such an impact on so many people when did you know that you wanted to be that guy and give back you know when i when i left baseball i could have still played probably another 3 4 years but what happened, my son was playing uh, football. He was All-State in football and had been All-State in baseball, and I hadn't seen him play. And he was going into his junior year. He was back here in the States. I was in Japan, and it just hit me. You know, I'm done. Mentally, I'm not here. And that's when you have to be 100% committed. That's, that's right. Anything I commit to, I want to commit to it 100%. And I, I realized then that I had lost that, that it was taking me longer to stay focused on it. So when I, when I left, decided, okay, well, what am I going to do that uh, I felt that uh, was going to be interesting to me? Well, what I did, I went into business. I started an ethnic hair care company uh, with a friend and also they had a wholesale computer on the side. And I was at home, and one of the neighbors asked me, he says, I know you, you, you're a major league player and everything. He said, uh, would you mind looking at my son and ask 
he asked me if I'd look at him and, and if I could offer any tips or anything that I could. So I said, yeah, I'd do it. And I set up a, a little tarp in area in my garage, and I started giving him a few tips and lessons, and I watched him improve. And, you know, I said, you know, I like this. So I, 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 I kind of still put it aside. But then one night I was thinking, when I was in high school, I was a senior in high school, we had this one teacher, Mr. Redford, and, you know, talking about people and influence. Yeah, you don't influence forget them. Right, right. You don't forget. Mr. Redford, he had this thing. He, he would ask, he would ask the question, what do you want to do? And what, what is your purpose in life? And we had to, to say what that was. And I, and I said, I'd like to teach, hmm. you know, because uh, it, that's just something that at that time that I thought it would be uh, good to do. Right. But baseball found me and, and, and uh, how I got into it, that, that's, a story in itself how I chose baseball because I was actually going to go to college and play football. But anyway, I thought uh, about right, that. Wait, wait, keep going. Wait, I go to back up for a second. So football, what was your, what were, were you a quarterback? What were you, what was your position? I was a, I was a quarterback and a, and a, and a cornerback and I was re- recruited as a corner, defensive corner. Unbelievable. So you had, were, were the only two sports, those were the only two that you were being recruited or was it basketball? I, well? I, I could play other sports, but, you know, those two, baseball and and football, was were my sports. Baseball came easy. I absolutely loved everything about football, and that's what was, was going to be my ticket into school. So uh, my dad got sick, and it was a way for me to help the family. And yeah. in my mind, at that time, there was no drafts. You could sign with any team that you wanted, and that's what I did. And the bonus that I received... It was, uh, I was supposed to spend the, that whole year in the major leagues. I signed with the Minnesota Twins, and they lost me, and I wound up being the first player taken. Uh, what they call, a, now they call it a, the Rule 5 draft of unprotected players. Right. They put me on a AAA roster, and uh, the Boston Red Sox took me off of that as the first player uh, in the Rule Five draft, and they had to give me a major league contract. So ah. that that that's that's how I got to the Red Sox. But I originally signed with Minnesota. I know that you're in the Boston Red Sox Hall of Fame, right? Correct. I guess maybe the Hall of Fame is what you told me years ago. Was it the top hundred, top twenty? I can't remember of in history. Yes, and the, what they call player players of the of the century. Players of the voted, century. That's the way I got I was, it from. The, I was voted in the player of the century in my position with right. the uh, Boston Red Sox. Okay, that's just unbelievable. And and you you obviously bat. I remember you growing up. I remember growing up watching you bat from both sides, and I used to try it. <laughs> so And it just didn't work out, man. I'd, anything I went, it was like, you know, uh, just going to that left side, I'd go, what is going on? You know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, couldn't comprehend it. My body wouldn't work that way. Did it always just come easy for you to be able to just to go to the other side of the pit because you're right-handed, right? You're right-handed, and yes, and, yes. and what, when when was it that you decided you could? Was this always something you could do growing up? Was it? Did it come easy to you, or did you have to really work on that aspect of it, the game? It, it really came easy because I was curious. Whatever I did on one side, I tried to do on the other. Wow! And uh, so I can throw left-handed. I can, I can hit a golf ball left-handed, you know. It can, it, so, the, whatever I did on one side, I tried to do on the other. 
Unbelievable. And that's, that's what picked that. And when I was fortunate, when I when I retired, uh, I, I'd, I'd like to think that because I still talk to some of the younger players that are younger than me right now, that, that I inspired them as a switch hitter because there weren't that many when I came along in the in no. the uh, player that was at the pinnacle of being the greatest switch hitter, and he still said it was uh, Mickey Mantle. So, and when I retired, I was second only to him in home runs by a, a, a switch hitter. A lot of players, including Chipper Jones, great that said that they used to come and watch me and try to emulate the <laughs> things that I did. And so that, that that made me feel good that at the time I got into switch hitting as a, in high school when my coach made me do it in my uh, junior year. And, and, and from there, it, it just took off. Now, here's an interesting story. When I was 15 years old, I was actually playing with professional players, the, the, the remnants of the old Kansas City Monarchs in the Negro Leagues. When the Negro Leagues broke up after the 1960-61 season, I think 61 was the last game that they played, a lot of the guys were still barnstorming and still trying to play, and then they came out west. And instead of the Monarchs, they were the... They were call themselves the Royals. <laughs> so at 15 years old, I was playing with the Royals. They used to pay my dad the $15, what they call uh, uh, travel money and expense money for me to play. And this was what you're talking about, 60? 1960, 61. Yeah, 60. Wow. So $15, was it every game you got paid $15? That I, that I played, yes. Wow. That's, I mean, back then, that was it, that went a long way. Well, let me just put it this way. To show you what you could do, you could go on a date and go and have dinner for six it's for six dollars and you mm-hmm. you you you'd have a steak dinner so fifteen dollars at that time was a lot of money. So you're saying that you could go to Doe's right now, which I know you want to go to. And eat yeah. place and get some tamales and a steak, and you could get away with $15. We're going to take a break right now because I want to yeah. talk to Reggie more about that because he's got a fine place in his belly for doughs like we all do. I'm Steve Azar. We're with the great Reggie Smith, and you're listening to In a Mississippi Minute. Am I a fool to admit Something tells me you're some kind of worth a risk for lonely sake And a chance I'll In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Like every Alan Lepton in my hometown. This is Steve Azar. You are listening to In a Mississippi Minute. We're with the legendary Reggie Smith, and he is in parts unknown Los Angeles, I bet. Is that where you are, Reggie? I'm in Encino, California right now. All right. At, at, the, at the batting cages here. Oh, you're, so you're at the cages. So I'm, I'm really oh, yeah. disturbing you right now from, from, your, from your piece. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I was looking forward to this opportunity to, to be on the show with you, and I set my schedule here, and I'm sitting in a, in a chair, my legs up, 
kick back here oh. and enjoying the, the solace. Are you uh, are you uh, are you eating a hot dog or there's nothing for sale that right now? Is it? I'm no, 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 no. The <laughs> everything is kind of shut down right now. We're just getting ready to start the uh, uh, tryouts for Little League here. Oh, that's uh, fantastic! That will be starting in the spring here. So the college, all my college players that are back for the holidays. They're, they're getting their swings in, and, and shortly a lot of the pro players will start to come in as well. Unbelievable. So you're working – so a lot of the pro players you're working with right now, they were they, – you, you sort of t- tooted them along the way in your team, right? And they, they come back for like an overhaul. Uh, how does that work? Pretty, pretty much. I, I'll, I'll do some overhaul work with them if, if you use that, that term. And mm-hmm. others, you know, this time of the year – they're starting to get ready for spring training coming up because they head out the middle of the next month that will be going into pitchers and catchers report. But some of the position players like to go over and see if they can get some extra work in early. But by uh, the 1st of March, they're, they're pretty much full goal for uh, spring training. But they, they start getting their swings in around this time of the year. Right, and they got to go somewhere where it's warm because it's been like fourteen to twenty here in in the Delta, and we don't know how to act on our pond. I've got ecrids that are walking on. It looks like they're walking on the water, but they're sliding on the ice. Ice. <laughs> so it's a it's it's pretty funny. We got ducks jumping and trying to get in the pool because the filter's on and the water's moving. And I mean, it, it, the wildlife just doesn't know how to respond right now. But so so you, I wish you were eating a hot dog because I do want you to picture this. I'm eating uh, for lunch, <laughs> breakfast and lunch right now. I've had like four cups of coffee, which I don't need one, and I'm eating dots. You know those dots, the things that get stuck in your teeth? Yeah. So that's what I'm eating right now. I've got three left, and uh, and uh, and I got. I'm gonna I'm gonna confess something that like before I go to church and I, and my priest is really gonna be upset. I'll put one of these in my mouth and I'll get some of it stuck in my teeth, and then every once in a while I'll lick back there so I can get the flavor. And so that's the benefit, and that's probably too much information. But now I really got to go to confession. So uh, yeah, anyway. gotta let it go. Yeah, something's wrong with me. You know that, Reggie. So no. so all right. So now I want to talk about this. I'm a big fan, and I know you are too, of sports movies. So. Obviously, I'm going to have Michael Ruzioni on, uh, Michael Ruzioni, uh, you know, Rizzo, our buddy Rizzo, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the 1980 Miracle on Ice. He was the guy, the captain, the the last, you know, made the last shot against the Russians. And, and, I, and I loved Hoosiers, uh, the, the greatest game ever played. I'm a sucker for all these movies. Okay, so Moneyball comes out. <clears throat> all right, and Billy Bean, I'm sure you and Billy probably have a, a, a long pass together. Am I right? Am I guessing? Probably. Well, I, I I know Billy. He he came a little bit after me, but uh, that's that's when he was still at that time. He was still playing. He hadn't become a general manager yet. You know, Moneyball, the whole concept of of picking players based off of numbers. It was based. It wasn't the eye test, right? And so correct. How much of that is still going on? And does every team sort of have they sort of used it? Are are some teams still going like I believe in the eye test, and has it been incorporated in every major league team? And and explain it to me in the, the beginning. And what it was about is value, and because the A's couldn't compete as it's on the free agent market, and in getting uh, the top players, and when their players reached uh, a level of competence and because of free agency and arbitration eligible players would have to make 
a certain amount of money. For instance, if the player had a great year and he was in his third year where he was eligible for arbitration, his numbers, he was able to compare with whatever the top player was in his category or particular position. So what would happen if they would go to arbitration, both sides present numbers. And even players that were losing in arbitration were still winning because the team had to present and offer a figure that was maybe higher than they intended to give him. So the players still won when they, they were losing. Right. So Wild. doing that and in, in, in having to be able to uh, compete, Billy looked at the system and the, the, uh, with the guy that was there with him and looking for, quote, undervalued players that were near their getting near what their ability to become free agents after six years and probably needed an opportunity. And the fact that they did certain things well. They Mm -hmm. might have been able to get on base. They they saw a lot of pitches. They they had good bat control. There were situations where they come up to they had They tend to do well against certain pitchers, against certain types of pitchers. And these are all things that they looked at they started to get these players that were basically under the radar and couldn't advance in other organizations, and they put the team together. They, they, they put the team Amazing. together based on the style of baseball that they wanted to play, that fit their system, and he was successful with it. The only problem was it was a system that was designed for the long haul. It was it would. It would get you through the season to where you could be competitive and you win games. The problem at the time was it didn't work in the short season, and the short season was playoffs and the World Series. Because that way, then you had all these guns. I mean, you had like, right, right, you had a lot of primetime players, and at some point that just sort of, it rears its head, right? I mean, the the stars shine. Yes, the the players that that are, are supposed to, have gotten you to the World Series and through the playoffs and everything, that, that was the reason why they were there. But uh happened as a result of that. Other teams started paying closer attention to those players. Right. And they started doing the same thing. Since that time, the money ball or analytics has evolved. And it has evolved uh, to the point that, they're picking players that way based on their uh, exponents. Uh, aside, uh, excuse me, aside from their exponents that fit their system, or they believe they can come in and help them in a short period of time. So you have more teams now that are going that route to uh, use analytics to uh, help them get, you know, through the season and help them get to the playoffs. Unbelievable! What a, what a wild. And who would have ever thought, because to me, the sound of the bat and the, I mean, obviously when you grew up, it was the sound of the bat, the crack of it, right? It was the, it was the arm. It was the, you know, it was these things. And obviously you were a five tools player. You did it all. 
And, and, and it's just amazing because not everybody can do it all. And you've been obviously a gift to baseball and a, and a gift for us to all watch. And, 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 and I've never met anybody that hadn't said, that's met Reggie Smith and hadn't loved him. So you have been blessed in a lot of ways. Now, here's what I'm going to, you know, be in the birthplace of American music, which is us down here in Mississippi. And you do visit us every year at the Delta Soul. So uh, I, I like to ask these questions. Would you rather hear Charlie Pride or Dorothy Moore? This is your call, Reggie. This is it. Charlie Pride. I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, quick story. Charlie Pride, he used to play baseball, right? He was a baseball player. And he used to go shopping at my mom's grocery store. My mom grew up in a grocery store on Highway 61, and he'd come in his baseball uniform. And when I, after I had my first hit, I don't have to be me to a Monday and waiting on Joe. I met him at the Grand Ole Opry. I told him that story. He totally remembered my mom. And he wouldn't say, hello, Steve. He'd go, I'm a waiting on Joe. What do you know? Or he'd go, I don't right. have to be me. And so he's singing my song. So he never said Steve. And every time he saw me, he'd do that. We're going to be right back. We're with the great Reggie Smith. This is Steve Azar. You're inside a Mississippi Minute where you can take your sweet time. We'll be right back. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We're all alone in the river and I don't know whether I'm singing or swimming with you. Hey everybody, I'm back. This is Steve Azar and I'm on the opposite side of the microphone once again. I'm asking the questions and it's uh, I'm learning. It's a learning process. So I've got my good friend Reggie Smith. Uh, Major League Baseball legend, uh, just an incredible man, married to an incredible woman named Rose. And we spent a lot of time during the year together uh, doing uh, charity events and golf events. And uh, we got one coming up with Grant Fuhrer and for the Arnold Palmer uh, deal out in uh, Palm Springs coming up. So we'll see you next month. Am I right, Reg? That's correct. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Always when you get the family together. Oh, it's I know it's such a fantastic. We're looking looking forward to doing that. I, we, the good news for Gwen and I, we get to slip in and see our son Strack, uh, hug him for a minute. Uh, he's graduating. Uh, he's on the film world. He'll be on his on his own out in L.A. with you. So you got to take care of him after he graduates out out at Chapman. But we get to slip in and kiss on him. And uh, on the way in and on the way out, we we fly into John Wayne, and so. Uh, we're able to to get a little double win there, so uh, always good knowing we got that coming up. But let's talk about your love affair for catfish. Can we talk about it? Because we, you know, we're oh, in Mississippi. Oh, absolutely. All right, before, <laughs> before we talk I eat about, up the whole school of fish. <laughs> before we go there, I do want to ask you. So you were real quick. You were training uh, somebody right right when we got on when we started the conversation, and I think we were all fair. Take me through uh, what you're doing today. At this time of the year, uh, again, I have a lot of my uh, college students that come in because one of the prerequisites for, for working with me and in playing any of my teams, you you had to have good grades. And if Love you it. don't have good grades, and that and that's a minimum 3.0, I tell the parents, you take that money and you get them a tutor. And basically, I, I kind of put them on suspension. Hmm. But... Uh, I, I want them to be able to know that nothing before academics, no, Amazing. no athletics before academics. And it, uh, if you, you, you spell out the word AP and AC, uh, AC 
comes before AT, so it's academics before athletics. Athletics, right. And uh, the kids have all, that, that I've had, they've all taken that pride, in, and, it, and it makes me feel good because they were successful students. They, they're going on to college, and, and my new group, my new freshmen this year, they're the ones that uh, are, were back for the holidays here, and they've been working with them. And we talked not only a, a, about baseball and, and preparing them, it's about what are they doing outside of baseball because mm-hmm. part of their growth and development has to do the same things that they had to do in high school, like community service. What, what are they doing there in the right. places where they're in school? Uh, how are they giving back? Because I learned a long time ago that the only way to keep a gift is you share it. So if they were thankful and, and appreciated the things that I shared with them from that came through others, then they had to, to, to pass that along and, and keep mm-hmm. that going. And, and it's, it's helping to keep them grounded and, and focused on what they need to be to become successful. That, that's so fantastic because we both know that there's only just a small, small handful that's going to get to take it to the big leagues. Have y'all kept up at all, like with how many college scholarships, how many people in the major leagues? Do you have sort of a number that you have kept up uh, with during the time? Is I, I don't, but I, I, there, I look at the number of kids that, are, that I've been exposed to uh, over the years and that have come to camps and different things that they're doing. There. It's over a, a thousand. Wild. Unbelievable. And then how many major leaguers do you have right now? That's in the major leagues right now, I, I think at least 10. It's a gift, and so you are preparing people for the future, If no matter if it's baseball or if they're going into the work world, you're preparing them, and that that's just an amazing thing that you're doing and continue to do. I just know I'm blessed to have gotten to know you and Rose, and I can't wait to see you next month. I'm with Reggie Smith, legendary baseball player, uh, World Series winner and seven-time All-Star, and that says it all. And uh, he's out in Encino, California, changing the lives of kids. Reggie, I want to thank you for coming on the show. You have been in a Mississippi minute, all sixty of them, and uh, and I know you. I know you love coming to visit. So uh, God bless you, and uh, I can't wait to I can't wait to hug on you next month. I've enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to seeing me. And, and anytime you need me on the show, there, I'm, I'm happy to, to be a part of it. I can't, I just can't wait to see you, buddy, and I appreciate you coming on my show. Sorry, I'd love to go. Take care. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.